And so that doesn't happen overnight. But over time, as people bought into it and we started to see over the course of one year, we gave the business back 1,500 interviews. Imagine the extra time that was available for our product managers. They could do their job. And then when the quality of hire goes up with that, you start to get this cycle of you've now made a better hire. And because you started with listening, there's a high probability that Ben's going to be successful and stay longer. Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful. Not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization. Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. Good experience pays dividends down the line. Stereotypes tend to break down in proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Ben Eubanks, your host, and so glad to have you here for We're Only Human, a podcast really focused on bringing real stories to life, helping you to be a better HR and talent leader, and hopefully unearthing and uncovering some trends, some resources, some practices that are going to set you and your organization apart from the rest. I love covering the research. I love bringing in these stories, and today is going to be no different. I have an amazing interview with Lance Sapera. He's going to talk to us about some things around town acquisition function, what we can do to create better outcomes there, how to really help streamline that and optimize that so that the function can help the business to perform. There's some great call outs here. I know you're going to enjoy the conversation today. I had a chance recently when I was running the Disrupt HR event here in Huntsville, Alabama, where I live, I had a chance to meet Morena and she's a listener to the podcast. So shout out to you, Morena. If any of you are listening to the show, you enjoy it. Ping me. Let me know what episodes and conversations and topics you appreciate. This fall, we have some great stuff coming along as far as the research front, some new things coming out around interviews, around some other TA trends. We have some new stuff coming out as far as what's happening in competition data and technology. We update that research every two years. And so that's been a really interesting set of work diving into that, seeing how things are changing. And probably no surprise to any of you who've had to pay someone in the last two years as Organizations are saying comp is more strategic than ever before. We're also seeing a lot of interesting insights in that data around how companies are figuring out what comp rates are effective and accurate, not just closing their eyes and hoping for the best, but more and more often using different sources of data, not just the standard salary surveys, but can we look at job postings and what's out there and what other companies are posting publicly and use that as a go-by. So some good stuff coming. So thankful to have you here with me. Let's get out of the way and dive into the great conversation with Lance Sapera. Hey everyone, this is Ben Eubanks, host of We Are Only Human. I'm really glad that you're here with us today. Looking forward to an incredible conversation with my new best friend. I'll go ahead and throw it out there. So Lance Sapera is here with me. He is a recruiting leader, many years of experience in the trenches, running teams, leading the function. So many good insights and I can't wait to dive into it. Welcome Lance, glad to have you. Great to be here, Ben. And I agree with the new best friend. In fact, find a way to get together so that we can have ice cream. There we go. There we go. You know that ice cream is a love language and probably the listeners here do know as well. So before we get to some of the fun stuff, I really want to dive into some of the experiences you've had as a leader in the recruiting function and some of the things that we can share, really good takeaways with the audience. Before we get to some of those things, 
Would you take a minute and tell the audience more about who you are and what you do, please? Sure. Lance, I most recently, I've led the talent acquisition team as the vice president for TA at Talent for almost the last four years. And what I do is create purpose-driven teams that become partners to and of the business to accelerate it. And that's kind of my love language in finding that we called it the hiring ecosystem at Talent and building that and developing it so that it's bigger than just recruiters. And so that's my thing. I'm excited to dive into that stuff. You also have, again, you're a humble person, but military career, thank you for your service. Like you've done a lot of incredible work throughout your history. And I can't wait to unpack some of that in the conversation. So one of the things when I had the chance to meet you last year in, in person, we were at a user conference for an event or a vendor in the space. And I got to hear you talking about your perspective on recruiting strategy, business alignment, which you just talked about kind of as your love language there. And I'd love for you to tell me more about what you meant by that. When you talk about aligning with the business, really accelerating the business was the phrase you just used. Talk about what that takes. How do you do that? How do the other leaders listening in here, if they're like, oh, I'd love to do that, but how do I have that same impact? What's your recommendation? How does that happen? Gosh, that's such a good question and area to unpack. How much time do we have, right? Three and a half hours. Everyone's going to settle in. They're good to go. All right. And if anybody's there, we'll pay them at the end. Yes, uh, there we go. So for me, I think it starts in a couple of places. And the two words that come to mind are listening and trust. And so to become a partner to the business, you have to be open to listening to what they're solving for. And the key part of that, I find, is that recruiters and coordinators and TA operations people, they want to be able to support the business. And so if we listen to what they're solving for, instead of just trying to tell them what we're going to do, you start to get this cohesive ecosystem to be established. And then the trust comes through the results and building those partnerships, measuring that and sharing it with them, reported repeatedly and transparently so that you start to have this say-do ratio that the business can count on. And so those two pieces are important, important for us. And so an example of that would be uh, when I joined Talent, the remit was we're getting ready to scale and we know our hiring process won't do that. And so we took three, six months of talking with the business and listening. We actually built what we called a TA advisory council. And in that council, it, was, it seemed a little bit unwieldy at the time, but we took a leader at different levels. So sometimes it's a VP, SVP down to an individual contributor in each region for each business unit. And we started to simplify the process because we had data that said in four to six interviews, you can get to that 90% quality of hire if you've done an effective recruitment partnership meeting. Anything after those six is just extra time and you're not improving your quality of hire. So with that guidance and working with the business, we, as my chief people officer shared, you build in the buy-in. So instead of coming to the business with this, we're going to change recruiting 
We built it in with them, got their advice, what would work for them to the point where when we rolled out a much simpler hiring process, they were already bought in. They wanted to do it. They had piloted it. And so that combination of listening and then building trust to execute on an action is how we started this successful journey. Love it. There's so many good things in there. Good takeaways for anyone listening in. I want to touch on a couple that really stood out to me. You didn't come in and start saying, well, this is how we've always done it. This is how it worked for me last at the last company, right? You said, let's just listen a whole lot. I like your say and do ratio too, or you're like, hey, we're going to start building this and getting, when I say it, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to say 10 things and do one of them and then hope you forget the other nine. Like if we're going to keep this thing, we're going to keep committed to this. One of the questions I want to ask you about that piece on the trust and starting to build that relationship from scratch, because you sometimes you never know when you come in that the person before you may have been very combative, may have been, you know, too laid back, may have been too conservative, whatever, that didn't really mesh with everyone else there. And so you're, I'm going to set a new expectation here. When you start that process of trying to build trust and build those relationships, do you say, I'm going to take something small that I hear them mention that's a problem and solve for that? Is it, I want to bring them along this vision, really share what my vision is and let them speak into it. Is there a best place to start there? Another good question. For me, it's an open-ended question and it works both, I think, in building a business relationship, but it's also, and I learned this actually from the recruiters at Talent. One of the things that I embraced while I had a point of view on how a recruiting function should operate listening to my own team that I was inheriting also helped. And one of the special things about talent is that if a recruiter at talent and now click, since click has acquired talent and the teams are working together, they're not going to reach out to a candidate and say, Ben, I've got a role. I've got this role for you. What they will always lead with is Ben, tell me what you want to do. And so that whole listening piece helps the recruiter then think this product manager role I thought from your resume and background you'd be interested in is right on. But by listening, it's like, you know what? I actually think this is a better role for you. So it starts with the listening piece. And it's the same thing when you're engaging with with leaders is everybody talks about people being important and They want to do it higher well, but also everybody's really busy. And so finding that way where for a busy hiring manager or a busy general manager running a, you know, what, eight, nine figure business, helping them see where you can be an arrow in their quiver is how you build that. So it really just starts with listening asking what they're solving for, maybe what grades them. And so I I can give you an example here. One senior leader in particular was interviewing everybody their team was hiring. And so in the course of a conversation, I heard them say that. And so it was, well, tell me more about that then. And the leader shared that, well, I just haven't had a chance to train them on how I think and the people we want to hire. And so it's like, We can solve this together. What if we built a system and a process to include training that helped you empower your hiring managers to hire how you would 
And now because they're in charge of that person's career, you want them to own it. And owning that decision is just a huge piece in the, of the time you give a leader back and then the empowerment in the manager who's going to be responsible now that Lance joined to make that person successful. So that's, I think, the piece is it starts with listening and then what do you do with it? I like that open-ended piece there, the conversation, because if you approach it that first way, it may not seem very confrontational, but you say, hey, I've got a role for you, Lance, and here it is. You're going to get a yes or a no, right? But if you ask the, hey, what are you interested in? You may say something, you know, I want to be a unicycle rider. Like, well, I don't have one of those right now, you know, but I can find something as closely aligned as I can. So I like that you're giving them a chance to tell you exactly what you want. It's a key a key aspect of sales is just ask the buyer what they want and then present that back to them as closely as you can to what they're saying and what you have to offer. So going with that with the open-ended approach is a great recommendation. One of the other things in that that you talked about a minute ago, I want to I don't know if it's possible to get into the weeds a little bit here. If it's not, just let me know. I'll wave me off. But you talked about the number of interviews, getting into the number of interviews and re realizing, hey, the hiring quality doesn't go up when we put them through 17 interviews, people. So let's tone that down a little bit. Six should be enough for us to really know everything we know about this candidate. How did y'all actually get to that? You know, knowing that four to six range, did you look at interviews that had been, we had four on this candidate, they turned out to be high quality. We had you know, seven with this one, they were no better or no worse than that person. How did y'all actually hone in on that? Because I think a lot of people listening in would like to follow in your footsteps there. Having that data point and a lot of research behind it gave some credibility to it. So it wasn't just something TA was trying to do to them. And that was a combination of some really good research by Gartner and Sherm at the time. If I had, prob if I had known you, I probably could have found something that worked that you had done around this. So the simplifying the interview process and cutting the interviews down in listening when I first joined and the listening wasn't just me, it was the whole team. And it was more than actually just the recruiting team, just as a quick point for the listeners. And it was also HR business partners, a lot of the people who made up this hiring ecosystem. And what we heard was that there was this cafeteria style of every interview process is different because I'm catering to the hiring manager and what they want to do. And it had been very successful. I mean, Talon was a 15-year-old company when I joined and had IPO'd. So they had done a lot of things right, but that's just not scalable if everybody on the team has to interview everyone. And so bringing that data together, bringing the teams together to talk about how can we do this so that it is inclusive of the team that people are joining, but it's not everybody. And so when we started to present, well, we can give you time back to develop market, sell, whatever the verb of your job is, and yet also raise the quality of hire, people started to see the value in that and that I don't need to interview everyone. I trust Ben. I trust Lance. And so that piece of involving the business in them helped them take away some of the, ah, we have to be aligned. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the hiring manager owning it also takes a lot of pressure off everyone because I'm going to be responsible for Ben's career and I'm owning that with Ben. And so those two pieces helped us 
get everybody off of the, I need to be part of this before anybody joins our team. I know you love your team. You feel strongly about it, but you also need to trust Ben and Lance enough in this role to make the decision for us. And so that doesn't happen overnight, but over time as people bought into it and we started to see over the course of one year, we gave the business back 1,500 interviews. Imagine the extra time that was available for our SREs and our product managers and our BDRs, just that they could do their job because they weren't having to interview people. And then when the quality of hire goes up with that, you start to get this cycle of, you've now made a better hire. And because you started with listening, there's a high probability that Ben's going to be successful and stay longer. So there's one less backfill role that you now have to fill. And so it just starts to become this snowball of high-performing, committed teams. All the compound interest of a great employee. We hire somebody great, right? They're excited to tell their friends that they work here. Like they're doing great work. They're going to stick around for a longer time. Like we get all the benefits. It's not just like one, one, one check mark, but it starts building on top of it. The snowball, like you said there, yeah. that really, that gets back to that piece you said earlier, because I had highlighted in my notes where you said, accelerate the business. And that's a great example of that. Because if I'm a, if I'm a division leader or something else, and I'm like, oh, I've, but I've got to be in every interview. My time probably is best spent somewhere else if we're going to be growing this thing at the pace we're trying to. But if I'm using a portion of my week every week, stepping into something that where I'm not actually adding additional value because my team is doing an adequate job at this, then I am holding back the business on those things. So I really like some of those examples you're giving because everybody talks about, oh, we want to be a business partner. Any ideas on how to do that? And so you're giving us some good points in this conversation on how to really make that come to life. One of the other things that I heard you say when you were sharing some of your strategy and some of this approach that y'all had taken there, you talked about how when it comes down to recruiting, we need to prioritize the people that we know and people that know us. And I'd love for you to talk about that piece of it a little bit because I think that's a, it's, it sounds very simple, but I think a lot of companies probably don't stop and say, okay, hold on a second. Who do we know? Who knows us? And how do we act on that? So talk about that piece if you don't mind. Oh, I'm happy to. And in fact, this is an idea that came from the talent recruiting team as well was, I think everybody, that's too general. I think a lot of people realize the value in re-recruiting your own people first. And so that idea of looking internally first to fill every role is the place we started. So those are the people you know best. They're your current team members. And with this shift to more and more companies looking for skills as opposed to specific resume or LinkedIn traits, there are things that you know about your team that aren't part of their CV that help you get them to the right next role that, again, the business needs. So you solve for a business need and you solve for a current team member. So internal people, team members first. And then the second one is referrals. If you believe that you have great people at your company and these are the right people to bring the company forward, then why wouldn't you trust them as a first filter in that recruitment process? I think it can be really arrogant to think that my recruiting process, I can learn enough about Ben Eubanks to make this career decision just based on our process. It 
it takes a lot of give and take from the interview team and the candidate, and it's just really hard. And we know it's fraught with errors. You've got a ton of data to talk about that. But you throw in the employee filter of Ben has worked with this person and knows this person. Now you just potentially even saved an interview. And that person knows things that as the recruiter, I probably would never uncover that help you see why they're good. So internal first, referrals second, and we put percentages against those for the company that we reported on a quarterly basis and every business leader could see it at any time. 25% of our role should be with an internal candidate and then 30% should be referrals. So now you're all ready to one of two of all your hires. You know this person or somebody you trust knows them. The third piece that we added in was what we called the nurtured candidates. And most people I think are familiar with the silver medalist and that's easy. Lance and Ben were competing for a role. We really thought they were both great fits for the role, but for this reason, Ben was the right choice. The company that takes the time and gives Lance feedback says, hey, I hope we can stay connected because we see you at this company. So nurturing that relationship for the silver medalist, most people can do that and get it. The special thing that our team did is for the person who in that first interview says, I really love the project that I'm on and I just, I want to finish this. So, you know, they're locked in for the next eight, nine months, but you heard enough in that interview that I want to keep talking to Ben. And then the recruiter makes sure that they follow up with them, give them product updates or just a text, whatever works for that candidate, but starting to nurture that relationship for the people from the first interview to the final interview that you know would be good at your company but we just didn't get to the offer except taking that cadre of people. And so we tag them, we track them, we consider them for a future role. And then we nurture that relationship just like a sales professional does because not every customer buys first. And then we also measure that, track it and report it. And that was 10% of our goal every quarter is hiring a candidate into a role other than where they first applied. And so it takes listening, it takes building a relationship, whether it's the hiring manager and the recruiter or both, somebody on the interview team. But now all of a sudden you're approaching two out of every three hires. You can hire people you know and who know you because it's not just us assessing candidates, they're assessing us. So that piece along with measuring candidate experience, really helped us have better, faster results. The nurtured candidates, Ben, when you're, when quarters were only hit 10%, on average, it was 17 to 19 days faster. I mean, that's three business weeks for a hiring manager that they get someone that they're really confident is going to be successful. I mean, who doesn't want that? The thing that hits me is when I think about posting, posting a rack, you immediately think, okay, we've got to start from scratch. We don't know. All these people are going to be trying to sell themselves and market themselves and get this job. We don't know. We don't know. They may look good on paper, but we find out that they are the one who microwaves tuna in the microwave, like whatever weird quirks they have, right? Uh, Some of them drive related, some of them not. 
but we don't know those things. But I love this approach of saying you actually do know a lot more about them if you care to take the time, if you're intentional about understanding the example of, hey, I, I really am interested in this job. I'm actually working on something right now that I'm passionate about. I don't want to finish it up. I don't want to leave my company in the lurch. We're like, good. We don't want someone that says, you know, sorry, suckers, I'm out. I love someone that's dedicated and feels some passion for their work. When's that project going to be done? We'll circle back with you and see if you're open, open then to talking about an opportunity. That's simple and completely brilliant and doesn't really take any extra time. You're going to hopefully circle. They'll be in your database anyway. You'll probably ping them, but a, spe a special email or a special text at that time, even if you pre-schedule it to go out, is still very effective, creates a deeper relationship. And they're like, they did remember me. I had candidates in the interview that I would mention something on their resume. And they're like, I didn't know people actually read those things. I'm like, no, I thought that was really neat. I had a, you'll appreciate this. I had a, someone I was talking to for an instructor pilot position. And of all things on the weekends, he was a hot air balloon instructor pilot. Like, That's okay. the neatest thing I've ever seen. Like, tell me about right. How do you get into that? And he's like, oh, well, he had, he opened up and told me all these things. And it was a great conversation. He's like, oh yeah, you want to talk about a job? I'm like, yeah, I did. Absolutely. Let's go back to that. But it wasn't this guarded sort of, you know, what do you want from me? What's the pay? Then I'll talk to you. It was a fun conversation. And then he was excited to say, hey, you know, this sounds great. I'm actually not available right now, but I've got a friend that would be perfect fit for this. Yeah. Because of that relationship. Exactly. That whole human connection piece that I think is really the special sauce of recruiters is letting them recruit, let them be the verb. And so I, I'm just a huge fan of that. And I see both of us leaning in as we're talking about this. And another piece I'll add is that it's not just, that's just not a recruiting philosophy. That's a company that buys into it. And so by virtue of that, recruiters at Talon didn't have as heavy a rec load because we want them. And when I say we, I mean, the business wants them to have that bandwidth to not just be resume review, push the hiring manager, find the best candidates, screen that first slate and give me three instead of 10. You've already saved the hiring manager seven interviews potentially, right? Or even just the time to review those resumes. And it's also, again, the commitment from the company that, again, giving recruiters bandwidth so that they have time to do the follow-up, to give a hiring manager an update. Ben, I'm struggling with this role. I think we need to get back together. All those kind of things that fall by the wayside when it's all you can do is to thank you, Ben, and be on the phone to Lance, you know, in 30 seconds. It's so again, that comes back to the commitment from the company. That seems counterintuitive to me to talk, to hear you talk at the very beginning about we're a fast paced growth business grow was the dict was the mandate from the front above, like all the things had to support that or it needs to be stripped away. And then to hear you say, yes, but we did not completely overload them. And here's why there's some great lessons in that. I think for, especially anyone who's in a leadership role, listening to this right now, thinking about these pieces, it's not just, well, we can squeeze five more wrecks out of Lance this week. You may, you may, but it's not going to be a great experience for Lance or for those candidates. Probably they're going to feel like they're widgets on an assembly line being shuttled down and the communication's not going to be great. And there's going to be an error in there somewhere or something else is going to come up. So we're, we get the chance to really do this well. Oh, man. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. I'm glad to have you come back at some point, I think, because there's so many more things I want to talk about, but respectful of your time. And I, gosh, this is so good. So 
I've enjoyed this. If you could give just one broad piece of advice, a recommendation, I don't care if you double down on something you've already shared or share something new that you haven't brought up yet, but we've got a lot of people out there that are, it's a mix of things. Some of them are HR leaders that wear the recruiting hat sometimes. Some of them are recruiters day to day. Some of them are leading teams. So we talked about any advice you give them broadly about how to do this, how to have better outcomes. What are your thoughts there? Boy, there's another three-hour conversation. I'll tell you where my brain immediately goes. Is the One of the reasons that I know I enjoy recruiting is that going back to my Navy days, I didn't have anything to do with recruiting for the Navy until my last job in the Navy, which was as a recruiting leader. But what I found is because I had spent 17, 18 years learning the business, as an operator, as a, a pilot, as a staff officer, I understood the Navy and the business. So now all of a sudden when I'm in recruiting, I have this chance to find the same great people that I served with and made it such a special experience for me and my family. And so there's this ownership and this investment, but you also understand the business. And so it's not transactional. And I've had the same opportunity or taken that same mindset in my private sector career now, you know, and I've had experience with 24-hour fitness and retail, Intuit, Symantec, and now Talent is that I would tell leaders and actually individual contributors, learn the business. If you understand the business, then you can actually partner in the hiring to support them as opposed to just this transactional get a butt in the seat because that's not recruiting. It might be filling a role, but that's not recruiting. Excellent. That's wonderful advice. Great way to cap off an amazing conversation. If someone out there, not if, but when someone out there listens to this is like, man, I've got to connect with Lance. I've got to follow him. He's got a lot of good things to say. What's the best way for them to do that? Just have them reach out to me on, on LinkedIn. Um, and a quick piece of advice would be send somebody a note <laughs> when connecting with them on LinkedIn. Give them a reason to accept the invite as opposed to just the name because you never know where that conversation is going to lead. And so, you know, when you and I connected on LinkedIn, it was funny. It was the day after we met, but we both sent each other a note, which was, hey, really enjoyed. And so I was like, ah. And so yes. you have that connection point to then go forward. So yeah, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. And I've got a lot of great people on, on you know, the, my team who have a lot to teach too. Excellent. Man, I've enjoyed this so much. I'm thankful for your time, sir, and for your advice, your recommendations, just your insight. It's clear you have a wealth of knowledge to share. And I wasn't kidding at all. I usually don't like commit to that during an episode. Like we're going to have you back again, but we're going to have you back again because I've enjoyed this so much and look forward to this next time we get to meet in person, get to shake your hand. Thank you again, Lance, for spending some time with us. Thank you, Ben. I've really enjoyed this too. Absolutely. To everybody else out there, I hope you got some good takeaways, good notes. I know my list of notes is about three scrolls long here. I'll make sure and put Lance's LinkedIn profile into the show notes here. Go out there, recruit well, and we'll catch you next time on We Are Only Human. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please 
pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit OnlyHumanShow.com. Only Human Show.